if we can buy into the belief that even the adversity is helping to set us up for something greater or helping to teach us something or a really important lesson that we need to get, I think that we can transform the patterns faster. All right, we are joined today with Bethany Ann Dotson. She is here, persistent and following up. Thank you so much for committing your time and for the work you do with clients and overcoming trauma and for making time for us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. And you are a trauma-informed yoga therapist. So for our listeners who don't make the connection between yoga and how it can help our bodies and our minds overcome trauma, maybe give a brief description of what you do. Yeah. So a lot of people hear uh, yoga and they think bendy, flexy, hard poses, balancing on one finger with your leg behind your head. <laughs> and uh, that's like, you know, one teeny tiny sliver of what yoga is. And yoga really means to unite. So to kind of bridge the gap between my brain and where I might get stuck and back into my body where my intuition lies. And in relation to trauma recovery, um, whether it's from a car accident or from staying in a really bad relationship for too long or even childhood trauma, we get a disconnected relationship with our body. I don't trust myself I don't trust that voice that's going on in my body. We get dysregulated pretty easily. We get um, more prone to anxiety and depression, self-sabotage. And so yoga from the lens of a therapeutic is more about bridging that gap of helping people trust their own innate guidance system and getting out of a state of fight or flight which might look like for a lot of people, people pleasing, overextending their boundaries, saying yes when they mean no, holding back uh, when they need to set a boundary or, or speak up during a moment of conflict and advocating for themselves. So the art of yoga therapy is really about rewiring um, the neural pathways that have been impacted from trauma and helping people feel more connected to their, their seats, their sense of identity, their sense of self, and making empowering choices from that identity versus um, an identity that doesn't believe in themselves very much. This is really significant. Thank you for that, that background. And, and I want to talk a little bit about how you got here personally, but you know, I think a lot of the work I do with my clients, we often get to, right, the need for grounding, the need for, right, they, they're running up, they're coming to me because they're making bad decisions or they're in a relationship and they're having difficulty pulling back between being the caretaker or setting their own needs, right? So we often get to this place of groundedness as this place where we have to slow down and separate from our automatic responses. Mm. Um, do you use yoga as that place or as that practice? I do. Um, I use it uh, more as a way to check in with my body um, personally and then with my clients. Um, it's not necessarily that I have someone 
get into downward facing dog pose in a crisis or anything like that, but it's more about, okay, checking in. Let's, let's interrupt that pattern that's firing and wiring in your brain right now. What are you noticing in your body right now? What's the sensation? What, what, what color, what image, what memory does that bring up? Um, and, and diving deeper in that. And then most importantly, really getting the client connected to how they want to feel during a challenging moment or a crisis um, and what they want their outcome to be. And this is a little bit more into coaching. I also do coaching as well. But um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. It's like, right. We're not always going to be able to just like, like you said, go into tree pose when we're in the middle of a conflict. But it is about, right, resourcing the body and giving itself strength or balance when normally it would go into like some sort of fight, flight, or freeze mechanism. Yeah. Having that, I I call it developing the witness consciousness or being the observer. There's a wonderful um, phenomenon that happens when astronauts go into outer space called the overview effect where they get into space and they see earth from millions of miles in space and they get a completely different perspective about life. And they have this basically spiritual awakening in outer space and they come back to earth and they completely change the way that they're living their lives. And, you know, they leave marriages, they quit their jobs, they do more nonprofit work and they really change how they're living because they, had that witness consciousness effect up in outer space. And so really what I help my clients do is develop that overview effect or being able to be the observer in daily life. Wait, how am I showing up here? How am I um, in, in really developing that deep sense of self-awareness so that when they get to a rubber meets the road moment, like, I'm dating again and I see a million red flags and I don't know how to deal with this. Or I said yes to this guy and now I'm, now I'm feeling conf- conflicted. How do I deal with that? Um, they're able to navigate that more mindfully rather than defaulting to old programming where they might um, bury their, their voice or not speak up or continue to override their red flags. So really developing that deep sense of self-awareness and learning to be kind of the witness, not from a judgmental place, but from a place of like curiosity and compassion. Wow. Look at me. I'm doing this thing again. (laughs) Why am I doing this? You know, and, and just, just having a, um, a, a sense of compassion because I mean, we develop these behavior patterns of, you know, caretaking, fixing, people pleasing, um, avoiding conflict, because that got us through really bad stuff earlier at some point in life. And that was the brilliant beauty of how our body adjusted to adversity. And so now, <laughs> years later, it's just about developing better habits because that old uh, pattern doesn't help anymore. Yeah, I'm still stuck on like, you know, how many, well, how big was the sample size of astronauts they got to, to name this effect? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a requirement that when you come down, you become a subject of 
psychological research for yoga and form therapy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It's pretty fascinating the the effect it has on astronauts. So anyway. But it happens for any kind of like journey. I know I lead men's retreats. And anytime you go away and you do this kind of intentional work and you see everything and you're like, oh my God, with clarity, I want to make change. And, and the only thing that sometimes I have to slow my clients down with is that we don't look at ourselves. We don't see like, how do we behave when triggered? How, how might we be part of that toxicity? And sometimes these good behaviors of being a, a ER doctor, a, a, a caregiver, someone who cares for many people, someone who's the rescuer in a relationship and has helped mm. people out of tremendous, you know, struggles, but they're the ones suffering from yeah. not having the space to feel connected to themselves. Yeah. So I, how do I you bring that. clients back into that? How do you give them, right? We don't want to, obviously we don't want anyone staying in something that's truly toxic, but how do we help them not repeat the dynamic? Yeah. So I give my clients a daily somatic protocol of gentle movement to help them reconnect with their body, guided self-inquiry. And you don't have, I mean, if anybody's listening, you don't have to necessarily do somatic experiencing or somatic work, although it is a great evidence-based tool for kind of overcoming complex trauma or trauma of any kind, but doing something to reconnect you to your body and learning to slow down and learning to tolerate the initial discomfort that happens in that process. So I personally give my clients daily what I use trauma-informed movement. So it's not about being flexible. It's about noticing the sensations in my body as I'm breathing and moving my body. What is happening in my body right now? It sounds really elementary, but for people who are used to being workaholics, used to being highly codependent, being the caregiver, the rescuer, the fixer, never having a free moment or when they have a free moment to themselves, they feel extremely guilty, like they should be doing something. Learning to slow down like this is a tall order for a lot of people. So learning to slow down and accept the feelings that come up in that process of slowing down. I use a lot of uh, gentle movement, guided self-inquiry where we get into a slower brainwave pattern, doing body scans, notice what you feel in your body. What's the life connection? How does this relate to the event that happened yesterday with your ex? Um, and then are those, guided are those questions the therapist is asking or those questions you're asking yourself while you're practicing? The, the, questions, the questions that I'm asking the client as they're practicing, the therapist is asking the client. And then... Uh, I also give my clients, you know, daily meditations to practice, to start slowing down and retraining, retraining their fight or flight center to be, oh, it's okay. There's no threats out here. I can, I can, it's safe for me to turn, turn inward and tune in and listen to myself. So that's how I personally help my clients start to stop that pattern that unconscious habit of my best friend needs me, their life is falling apart. They're always calling me. I feel drained by this relationship um, to stop that pattern and learn to be more, ooh, 
I, I'm aware that that doesn't feel good anymore. Now let me do something differently about it and let me be self-aware that I have a lot of fear and hesitation around setting that boundary, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to step a little outside of my comfort zone. Does that make sense? Completely. I mean, it's very in line with the somatic experiencing work that I do. And like, I'm just, my thoughts are going to, right. If we've always been in these roles of caregiver, if we've always been around dysfunctional parents or relationships, and that's what we've been modeled, then we may not know that it's okay. Or we don't understand this difference between what we always had to do to survive. And like, you know, when you say, oh, just get in touch with play or calmness or stillness, it's like a foreign language. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like we, we it, you know, and clients get really into like the negative self-talk and beating themselves up for repeating these patterns. But you know, it's not your fault. You know, it's not your fault if that's all you've been taught to repeat things because we're desperately trying in any way possible to get those love needs met, you know, the belonging needs met. Very important. So it's like not about beating yourself up if you've noticed this repeat in your life um, or even you think you've got it and you think you've got it crushed and then it comes back in a different way or in a different area. So yeah. I'm really glad that there's another modality um, for for clients to slow down and learn these practices. Yeah, I think it's extremely um, beneficial and needed. And um, yeah, I work with a lot of clients that the majority of my clients have done a lot of you know, just traditional talk therapy over periods in their life. And they still, you know, it's, it's challenging to break these patterns and they still find themselves repeating a cycle, attracting the same type of person, a different face, still making the same choices many, many, many years later. Um, so, you know, having, having compassion around that, that, you know, not beating yourself up. Look, you were trying to get your needs met the best way that you knew how. Your body is trying to survive. It's just a little maladapted now and we just need to kind of tweak it. (laughs) Um, Really having that compassion lens, I feel is so important. And I really feel like it it opens and and speeds up the process um, every time we judge ourselves um we contract and we're not open to yeah yeah and so are you working just with individuals are you working also in groups so i i do a little bit of both mostly in group right now so i work in small groups um and then within that small group i meet with my clients that are in that group individually uh once a month just to deep dive on anything that they're challenged with or that they feel stuck with yeah and was this the modality that helped you as well how did you come to to yoga and integrating it with with healing therapy yeah so i uh have my own childhood trauma and then i mean i didn't really know what that was i just you know i was like okay i had a very dysfunctional childhood and then I tried to overachieve my way out of that. Um, 
in college, I double majored. I worked full time. I also had a lot of toxic friends. I was like doing everything and trying to be everything to everybody. And I started having panic attacks. And I was like, what the hell is that about? Like, I never felt like I was literally losing my mind. And I was like, okay, something seriously has to change. I have, you know, um, mental health issues in my family line. And so I was like, oh my God, like what's going on? So, you know, out of desperation, my school counselor was like, I think you need to get on medication. I'm like, I don't know about that. And there was a yoga class today, a yoga studio that I drove by every day on my way to campus. And so I convinced one of my roommates in college to go take the yoga class with me. And I cried the whole time. And, and I, I did Shavasana, which is the final pose of laying down and just resting. And I cried the whole time. And I woke up the next morning and I felt like so light. And so like, I just had this like crazy experience where I was like, oh my gosh, like I just feel so much better after that class. And I kept going back and I kept going back. And initially I went because it was like physically challenging. And I think I needed that. My brain needed that physical exertion to burn off the crazy. (laughs) And then over time, I moved to Los Angeles and there's a great yoga community in Los Angeles. And I started studying and getting deeper and deeper into it. And I was like, okay, I really want to help people in a deeper way with this. It's not just about, I mean, people come to the practice because they want to relax and they want to get more flexible and they want, they know, they know it's probably good for them mentally, but they want to, they, they want to kind of challenge themselves. But the physical practice is just the entryway. It's just the doorway for like greater transformation to happen. Um, and, and really to, to start reprogramming neural pathways, if you really go deeper, I mean, like reading a yoga, an ancient yoga textbook is like reading a psych 101 textbook. Like they had the same problems <laughs> that, we, that we do now. And so, so, uh, in 2013, uh, I started studying to become a yoga therapist with the lens on working with people from a psychological perspective versus fix my back with some yoga. That's like, there's two camps. There's like physical therapy, yoga therapy, and then more of a psychological lens. So I really wanted to work with people who um, struggled with anxiety, social anxiety, feeling like they didn't belong. And when I started uh, seeing clients one-to-one, nearly everybody I talked to within like the first 20 or 30 minutes of a session would start talking about, I just left my abusive husband. Or, you know, if I'm working with a male client, I'm having a hard time. Uh, I feel so lonely. I go to work and I don't, I don't have anybody else. And so it was just this relationship, relationship, relationship. And so I started, um, I took some coaching programs and started using both (laughs) to help people regulate emotionally, self-regulate, reprogram and then make healthy choices moving forward to kind of move the needle a little bit more in their life. That makes Uh, sense. It does. I mean, I'm laughing. I don't want to smile at your pain that you went through or minimize what it must have been like. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not comfortable when we're going through the epiphany stage, but you know, just as a point of reference, I went, I, I, I went to graduate school for one semester at a school that, 
was not a good match. And, uh, I, and I was doing yoga at the time and I would be outside on the lawn by this like coffee cart doing tree pose. Like I was just desperately grabbing for like some sense of like, okay, what's going on here? Because this plan that's supposed to be, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not working. And, um, mm-hmm. So it was probably the best uh, $15,000 for a semester lesson that I ever learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, more important, my body was showing me, yeah, I can't be in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always tell my clients, your body always knows. Your body is so smart, you know, and it's usually our mind and our ego that kind of gets in the way of that knowingness. Fear That's right, because we have a story or we have a pre, this is... This is not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Or, you know, it's it's like I am hooked on, right? That's what I've always thought or believed. Mm-hmm. I need to be in a relationship. I'm supposed to be in a relationship. This Right? I'm invested in this. We have like kind of a sunk cost. I've already invested so much. Yep. It's hard to step off the tracks and go, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> right? Is this train leading me towards a panic attack, right? Or towards other health issues, right? Is it leading towards disconnection? For men, a lot of disconnection, isolation, loneliness, right? Um, and then not knowing how to break that pattern down. Not laughing at you, laughing with you. Of course, yeah. <laughs> no worries. You know, it takes one to know one. We know, you know, it's like, it's most the most valuable lessons I've learned from other healers are those that have been through the experience themselves and come to the practice from their own work. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I personally feel like at this stage, just in, in my own journey and evolution in my career, I, I truly feel that everything is helping us, even the adversity. I truly feel that if we can see everything the the life is the the evolution of life like there's this unforeseen force this unseen invisible force that's moving us through our continuum of life and if we can buy into the belief that even the adversity is helping to set us up for something greater or helping to teach us something or a really important lesson that we need to get um I think that we can transform the patterns faster rather than, and this is why, again, it's so important in my opinion to be the observer, to learn to condition having the overview effect over your own life, you know? So how do you get clients? Cause I'm with you, right? You want to get them to being an observer when they come in and they're in a relationship or they have not even examined the toxicity, or maybe they're just kind of in a pre-contemplation stage how, you know how much time do you think it takes or you know how long do you allow for that unfolding to happen to bring them yeah so i personally don't accept clients when they're still in a toxic or an abusive relationship occasionally i will speak to clients initially about working together and they might reveal in that time yes and and during that conversation i ask pointed questions to get to the truth of what their choices are costing them. I think the time we stay in anything that's not serving us because it's giving us an emotional payoff. 
We're getting some kind of benefit. I've invested 25 years. I can't leave now. What is, I'm too afraid of facing life on my own. I've never done that before. We don't change or we don't leave until it unfortunately tends to get really, really bad. (laughs) The timeline that I give clients, most of the people that I work with have some awareness that they're part of the problem, like a little bit of awareness. They don't want to admit it, but they're like, yeah, I mean, this has been happening for 50 years of my life. It keeps happening. I know there's got to be something within me. So they have a little bit of awareness when I start working with them. And then when we get into the work, they're like, oh my God. And then they have all of these epiphany moments about, man, my family does this. I do this at work. I do this pattern with my friends. And so then when they have that greater awareness, then we can start changing. But I typically work with clients when they're right in the phase of, oh, wait, yeah, I think I'm probably part of the problem, but they're still minimizing that a little bit. Does that That's important probably. Yeah. I mean, that's probably important for you as a coach and healer to know, right, your limits on when you'll take a client and where they need to be. Yeah. And so you're just not wrestling with the defenses. Right. I had a, I, one of my yoga therapy teachers said something, I'm going to butcher this phrase, but there are three types of people, those who are sleeping, let them sleep. The, those who are starting to have their awakening, stir them gently. And then those are, who are awake, those are your people that you want to work with. So that never left me. So I tend to, um, Yeah. And if I do speak with somebody who is still sleeping, um, I trust God and the universe that maybe they need to continue forward on their journey until they reach that threshold point where they, they get the wake up call that they need and then they're ready to change. So, yeah. Terrific. Perfect. So um, if let our listeners know, how do they reach you? How can they, Um, work with you? uh, What do you have on the horizon? Yeah. So you can find me at my website, bethanydotson.com. At the moment, uh, my main offering is a 12-week recovery program for women. I do work um, one-to-one with clients who, uh, both men and women who are struggling maybe uh, in a marriage or they're dating and they're, you know, they've done a lot of work on themselves, but they're struggling to connect in their relationship. Um, I, I work sometimes one-to-one with people who are working with a therapist, but they're not feeling like they're seeing the results that they want. And we use uh, the yoga therapy as a way to kind of bring the body on board to the picture and make empowering choices and in relationships. So best way to reach me would be bethanydotson.com or on Facebook, my business page. I think it's Bethany Dotson Relationship Coach. Those are the two places I I frequent the most. Is this all uh, done virtually at the the moment? Yes, all virtually, all virtually over Zoom. So you can help clients all over the country or all over the globe? All over the globe, yeah. Yeah. Currently, I'm only working with people in the U.S., but one day, yes, all over the globe. 
I'm always I'm always pushing bigger. <laughs> yeah. It's hard enough to schedule podcasts when you get a guest in like Australia or Sweden. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you just need a time zone converter. You'll be okay. Yeah, sure, sure. Of course. <laughs> a lot of work. It, it's it seems like the mind body connection was a stretch at some point. Now it seems to be that a lot of therapies between somatic experience, EMDR, addressing some of the belief systems you, you mentioned, brain yes. spotting. Uh, there are a lot more modalities that are integrating the body movement, like you said, into therapeutic work. What have you found that, that yoga offers that maybe just other therapies don't quite get to? Introspection, learning to two things. There's a lot of yoga out there. I mean, like Western culture. I mean, there's like hot yoga, power yoga. I think that fits our culture. Go, 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 go. I gotta be like, make all the money, work hard, blah, blah, blah. Let's put a power yoga studio on every block. <laughs> Cause that like serves. Um, but the ability to synchronize your breath with your movements creates coherence in the brain. And that coherent brain wave like self-regulates. It's like the more that we can get into that brain coherence, that heart coherence, um, the more rewiring can happen. And the more like we can start letting go of like memories that come up or negative emotions that we repress can come up and go out. Um, so learning to regulate your breath with your body, people feel like I personally felt amazing days after my first yoga class because I was basically getting my brain into coherence. I didn't know what was happening at the time. I was just like, what's going on? I mean, this was way more, this is way deeper than just an exercise class. So that, and it creates introspection. Let me tune in and listen to my breath. Uh, poses in yoga that are forward folding promote introspection, which trauma people lose. They're more extraceptively oriented. Let me manage my environment and try to control other people so I feel okay. <laughs> and when we can forward fold or get in downward facing dog or child's pose and our head is, you know, we're resting our forehead on something calm and soothing, we can start turning inward and conditioning that interoceptive awareness. The other thing, really great benefit of yoga is that uh, it builds our tolerance to be with uncomfortable feelings and uncomfortable mm. emotions <laughs> because there are lots of, even if you were doing a gentle yoga class, let me tell you, like slowing down, number one is uncomfortable for people. But even if you're just doing a simple forward fold, if you hold that pose and breathe with that for five minutes, stuff's going to come up. You're, you're going to feel tightness in your hamstrings. You're going to feel tightness in your hips. You're going to want to resist that pain and that discomfort and contract even more. And if you can train yourself to breathe through that on your yoga mats, then you can train yourself. You're basically training yourself to breathe through a confrontation with your spouse or your partner in real life. So how you do what you're, how you condition yourself on your mat is how you can start showing up in life. So there's tons of like so many benefits. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You just said some really major ones. I mean, I'm just thinking of my own, I mean, I love yoga. I did martial arts for years and 
and they'd always have you meditate when you entered the studio. And at first it was like, how long can I just sit here and keep my eyes closed? Right. But like the practice of like, number one, entering a space and separating from the stressors, uh, removing yourself from the triggers, getting into your breath, getting into stillness. Um, yeah, becoming aware of how much thoughts are there and that we're not going to respond to the practice, the practice of not responding of stillness. Yeah. You said it of slowing down which by the way is a chapter in the the zero method my book just released so right awesome. like slowing down seems like like the most foreign concept and it's antithetical to almost a lot, a lot of what you said western culture te teaches us is yeah. the purpose of our lives so and this concept of coherence right if you've if, if any athletes listening biofeedback any of the tools that helps you look at how are you breathing what your mood state is and aligning them yes and giving you that feedback hey you're you're you know you, you oh maybe you thought you were calm but your breathing is really shallow right mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. helping you to, to practice aligning them right to practice syncing up with your body when there's a disconnection um yeah. is really helpful for me um and i think it'll be really helpful for for any client or practitioners right we're absorbing so much we're sitting, my Apple watch is telling me all occasions, your heart rate is slowing. It's like, whoa, right? Like I need to get up and move, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, get up yeah. and stretch, right? The yoga mat is right here behind the screen in between sessions, right? Just hang, mm -hmm. right? Just hang and see what moves. So really profound. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy day, out of your practice for us. Yes, um, thank you for having me. Thank you. And, Enjoy uh, sharing it. Yes, hopefully, if you're in LA or back in LA, we'll collaborate on a workshop or something in the future. Yeah, yeah. Now that we move of beyond course. the pandemic, well, um, thank you to all who have listened. Please reach out to Bethany at bethanydotson.com or on her Facebook page, Bethany Dotson Relationship Coach. Her business page and learn more or at least give yourself an opportunity to practice some gentle movement or guided imagery and maybe yeah. take your therapy practice to the next level yeah <laughs> thank you so much richard thank you well thank you again to bethany for joining us today and sharing some of the time old principles of yoga and educating us on how it ties into trauma therapy our own resetting our own slowing down and how these tools can help you on your journey to break free from toxicity and how it's not your fault if you've been in a negative relationship or have toxic patterns because this may have been what you've learned this may have been what you modeled but that does not mean that needs to be what goes on forever i'm richard olberger clinical psychologist i appreciate you joining me supporting me for those of you who have not yet got your copy of the zero method awaken the hero within please do so on amazon.com and look for our book launch in paperback on june 1st 6122 uh, please get a copy like listen subscribe to the podcast and uh, get a copy for your friend or another man you know um in need of a little extra support or some great exercises in there for enhancing your personal development. Again, I'm Dr. Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist. I appreciate all of you. And I'm Richard, and I'm out. Take care.